What? Hey guys, what's up? It's Cartel Aristocrats Finance Cast number 27. We're here after the Kaladesh pre-release and it's got me feeling pretty fly. If you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves. Hi, uh, that was either a really terrible vehicle pun or it wasn't. And I'm going to go with the first one. Uh, my name is Douglas Johnson. I write for Quiet Speculation. My articles come out on Thursdays. How's it going? Oh, you know, fine. Uh, my name is Jim Casal. I write for Modern Nexus every Wednesday and Gathering Magic every other Monday. Um, and I just would like to remind everyone to please crew your vehicles responsibly. And I'm Travis Allen, Wizard Bumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N on Twitter. I write every Wednesday at mtgprice.com and I do the weekly finance podcast, MTG Fast Finance. And I'm Zemet at Zemet Sells Magic. And we got a couple things on our plate this week. Kaladesh pre-release came out. Did anyone play in the Kaladesh pre-release this weekend? And what was your experience, if you guys want to go over that real quick? Any financial implications that you might have learned while playing with some of these cards? Uh, I played in the pre-release, which is not something I normally do nowadays. I went black-white energy guys as a pretty average deck. I went 3-1. and one. Um, I gave a kid sleeves because he opened up a Nissa and wasn't playing with sleeves, and then I opened up a Chandra for my four prize packs, so good karma gets there, I guess. I don't know, sell masterpieces at the gym. Yeah, um, I don't know if there were less, like, expeditions or masterpieces or whatever in these pre-release packs than there used to be. But it felt like there was not nearly as many of them opened as I would have expected. Or people just didn't care enough to, like, shout it out because there just weren't a lot of people yelling about, you know, oh, snap, I opened this chromatic lantern or whatever. It um, might have, like, I don't know, because the pre-release you went to was pretty big, right? Yeah, but, like, I didn't really hear very many people making a lot of noise. Well, right, but I'm saying, like, part of that might be because they're better and limited this time, so maybe it might have been, like, the element of surprise factor. Like, I don't want this no, guy to know. No, that's not how people at the pre-release work. Okay. You, you open, like, like I saw people open, like, uh, Foil Chandra, like, their, their pre-release promo was a Chandra, and they, like, did a lap around the store. And then, like, realized they had ten less minutes to build their deck. <laughs> then they didn't win any matches, and it didn't really matter. Anyway, uh, I played the pre-release. It was sweet. Uh, energy is cool. It's less clunky than I thought it would be. Um, the removal's bad, but I had a lot of it, so I killed people. Um, I don't know. I only, I only lost two games because Gear Hulks are dumb in limited. Yeah. Um, tell, tell us about that Gear Hulk guy, like the triple, uh, triple Gear Hulk guy. It was actually a woman. She had oh, sorry. A promo. She had a promo um, red gear Hulk that she played in game one, and then in game two I kept the two land hand and a bunch of three drops and didn't draw my third land until like turn seven, and in those turns that she just you know didn't miss a land drop, she played two non promo gear Hulks, and I was like, well, that's bad. Are we turning into the bad beat podcast? Is that what this no, is? No, he asked me. I, I wasn't going to volunteer that information. The best thing of the whole weekend was I went to Cool Stuff pre-release and threw out these sweet Thopter tokens, and they're made out of metal. That they're is really literally heavy. invisible on the camera. Yep. Really? Yeah, we can't yeah, see that at all. That's pretty bad. Okay, right, well... Right now, I, it's just an artifact of our imagination. 
It's oh, like you're so clever. Rubbing it against your face. Hold it way further back. Like here? Like, so it touches your nose. I don't understand. Why am it's I doing this? a little this? more. Because we were so close, we couldn't see it. The reflection oh. is... Uh, Oh, the like it looks really like okay in my picture. Anyway, I I took a, like a a video on my phone. I posted it on my um my Twitter where I just held it and flipped it over. Um, they're really cool. They're made out of metal. They're like pretty heavy and but they still fit in the sleeves, which is really nice. Um, this has Evan Earl and Irwin written all over it, and I really hope they continue doing this because these are really cool tokens. I heard that they're gonna make energy tokens, so I'm really excited for those too. Travis, as the king of background noise, did you play in the pre-release? I've tried to keep my mic muted here, although now I hear Jeremy typing on his mechanical keyboard, and I see why people got annoyed by it. Nah, uh, not you. Doug. Doug was doing it. He's the other one with the mechanical keyboard. No, I had a wedding this weekend, an out-of-town guest, so I couldn't go. And um, I played in three pre-releases. My first pre-release at midnight was the nuttiest pre-release pool I have ever opened. I opened eight rares, all on color. My six rares from my packs, a foil rare, and the promo. I won round one in eight minutes for both games, including my opponent pile shuffling. I won round two in ten minutes, including my opponent pile shuffling. Then I lost to Chandra Chandra Nisa in round three and won home, even though I probably could have like won X1. It was like four in the morning at that point because we had a stupid amount of people uh, I don't know how your pre-releases went. Every round went to time in every pre-release I, pre I played in. This is definitely a thing that happens. Um, I'm not sure people really know how to kill each other in Limited and are overly defensive, which is part of the problem. Like The, the creatures in the set are pretty aggressively costed, and they have a pretty aggressive power and toughness, but if you just like never attack, then no one's going to die. That common flyer that... like. Like wingman's and other guys, nutty. Do the four mana two one? No, no, no. The one, they're the two mana one two. They get oh, yeah. two energy and then you attack and burn an energy to jump a guy. Yep. The card's disgusting. Is it? Uh, is it the just the volume of Thopter and Servo tokens that cause slow games because nobody can really attack profitably because there's just chump blockers all the time? No, I think just people were playing a bunch of bad cards that didn't do anything, and then you just got to this point where you're drawing cards that don't do anything and then lands, and people just staring at each other. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really aggressive format. Um, it was interesting, though, because, like, we don't allow alcoholic beverages in our shop, and a bunch of people, including myself, went to the bar about 30 minutes before the pre-release started and then brought uh, smoothies in as well. So it was interesting. Like, we didn't spill anything. Otherwise, our gear hulks would have become beer hulks, but it, it was the first FNM I played where I was definitely a little tipsy, and it was a lot of fun. Of course, I didn't drive, but... It, it, it's like a new thing because you're just sort of buzzed and you're just like, oh, man, that's fine. Play whatever. You're not, like, super competitive. But we're not a competitive shop anyway, so it didn't matter that much. I've tried playing FNMs drunk or at least buzzed before, and I basically find myself annoyed that I can't concentrate enough to make good decisions. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely I... don't want to be crewing under the influence in a Kaladesh pre-release. You can't steal my you joke after I already made got it. got that one like five yep. or ten minutes before you. Yep. Oh, definitely. I I did the Journey into Nyx pre-release really smashed because it was my last day at my job and my friends bought me drinks before I walked to Cool Stuff to go to the pre-release. Um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of fun if your opponents are not like top tier magic players it doesn't really matter that much it's definitely a lot more laid back than doing like uh an fnm i guess because you're 
just playing with the cards that nobody knows what they do. So there's that, which makes it a little bit easier to do it under the influence. But I don't know. This set seems really cool, but it's pretty complicated to play. I yep. like energy a lot more than I thought I would. Um, I thought it was going to be janky randomness, and then I attacked for 32 in my last round with Electrostatic Pummeler or whatever that card's called. Yeah. It's like the really garbage bulk where you pay three and double its power and toughness, and I just like spent, or I just saved up 12 energy, put some goggles on it, like pacified his last blocker and cracked him for 32, and he complained about how the card's broken. I, um, I was not a fan of energy, except I bought a Pokemon collection about an hour before FNM's started and I sold so many energy tokens for the pre-release at a quarter each. Oh, now so you're I know just a scumbag because Corbin gave them all away when he did the same thing. Corbin did? Yeah, Cor- like Corbin talked about this like last week on Brainstorm Brewer and he uh like basically bought a Pokemon collection like three days before but gave away like gave everybody like one of each energy before the pre-release. Daddy That's needs funny. to pay for college. Daddy isn't out of college. Cor- Corbin's doing fine. Um I sold a bunch of foil energy token thingies Apparently, some of those were worth a lot of money. Like, I checked TCG Player. There was, like, a metal... I don't play Pokemon. If you guys do, you can help me out. But, like, there was, like, a metal energy one and, like, a foil professor something or trainer something card that people were buying. And they're just like, yeah, we'll just use these as energy tokens. So, kudos to Wizards for forgetting to print energy tokens because extra business is always good. Well, the thing about energy cards in Pokemon is they don't come in every booster pack like they do in Magic. Like, they're not in every set. They're only in certain sets, and they're in, like, the pre-cons that they sell. Do they really not include energy in uh, Pokemon? Yeah, they don't come, they're, not, they're not in booster packs. Like, you don't get an energy card in every pack, which means that because the energies are not actually in every set, there's not very many foil ones because they're only, like, a couple of sets that actually have foil ones in them. Yeah, like, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I think, or last week, where I was considering, like, buying energies in TCG Player, and I wanted foil ones, and they were, like, $4 a piece or something dumb. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're so harder to find than foil basic lands. Yep. So let's get into the finance. As far as numbers go, I opened 80 pre-release packs yesterday, and I got five masterpieces. Um, to me, it seems like the masterpieces are twice as rare as the ones from Battle for Zendikar, but it does, it's not going to stop them from plummeting because they're not as sought after compared to fetches and shocks. And at the same time, like Kaladish is there's literally going to be nothing that's left that's worth money in a, like a month or two like Gideon from Battle for Zendikar. I fully expect the value of the set to be 30 to $40 a box. So that's just my opinion. But even even $40, I mean, even the expedition slot has got to be worth... Nope. If you look at 10. Battle for Zendikar, the average value of a box right now is $32 across yeah. multiple platforms. That's, that's without, that's without including the expeditions. Yep, but I feel it's going to be the same way for Kaladesh. It might even be more because it's a newer set. Right, I think Travis misunderstood you because you, I know what you're talking about. I've seen that number too. It's it's like $30, but if you don't include any of the masterpieces or expedition cards. And the other thing with Battle for Zendikar is at least all of the expeditions are somewhat playable. If you get a Gearhawk, those will probably be lower than the Battlelands because at least some of the Battlelands have made their way into modern in like Scape Shift, for example. So that's just something to keep, like, if I open a Gearhawk, the green one's worth like $80 right now, with it, which is a completely wrong price, but at least if you open the red-green uh, one out of Battle for Zendikar, there's a modern player who wants it for their foil scape shift deck. Dahan Glare, Dahan Glare has got Battle for Zendikar boxes at 15 although it does specifically say that right now they're adding $22. 
So yeah, about about thirty six bucks for Battle for Zendikar boxes on TCG Low. Yep, it's crazy. Part of that is just the lack of completely playable bulk commons or uncommons too. Like someone's grinding a dime. Uh, like transgress the mine. Oh yeah, sure, but like. There's like two or three. It's like Transgress for the Mind, Hedron Archive, and like maybe Stasis Snare that are like more than a dime. We but like pay, nothing else. We what pay about quarter of some trans- guy. Zolport? Yeah. Yeah, Zolport that guy too, I guess. Uh, I mean, if I was, my point is that they're like, it's way, way worse than like Eldritch Moon or Shadows. Like both of those sets are like way better than BFC. That's because there were no expeditions in there. Which That's is my now, point. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I'm looking back through this and starting with Return to Ravnica all the way till now, the highest set box is less than $45. And that includes Eldritch Moon at 44 on uh, TCG Low. So, you know, I, I guess the standard right now seems to be that box prices are in the 30 to 40 30 to $45 range. So, I mean, is you, you can talk about how bad, how Kaladesh is going to be really low at 40 bucks, 30 bucks, but that seems to be right in line with everything. I mean that's an interesting point, but I I still I'm just not happy with what Wizards is doing for short term gains, and uh, a lot of shop owners that I've talked to aren't too happy either about it. Just because it, it's essentially a new mythic rarity for these cards, even though they're not playable in standard. Um, now is this great because standard is going to be cheap as hell? Yes. In fact, we just started a tournament series for a bunch of beta moxen that I have for standard, so that we can sell these cheap standard cards and get people in the shop. But at the same time, if, you know, once I open this original run of Kaladesh tomorrow, I'm never opening another box and it's going to be hard to get cards in that are like $2 rares when you can only offer 50 cents on them because people don't want to get rid of playable lands for 50 cents or a dollar, which is what they're inevitably going to be is two to $3 retail thoughts. I mean, if this is the standard going forward, really all we're doing at this point is giving an avenue to people that wouldn't normally have spent money on standard products to get some money, some of their money in the door. Like the people that are buying Lotus Petal masterpieces are not the people that were going to buy anything else out of this set. So I don't really think that we're necessarily taking money out of certain, like, or I don't think the people that were buying standard cards are necessarily going to buy less standard cards. I think they're just going to buy the same amount as they did previously. Or even more, just because their budget's, like, allowing for more uh, cards to be bought. Travis, anything to add? This is really difficult to suss out. It's it's hard to say how players are going to react. I can see from a shop's perspective how players might be less likely to sell cards that are worth 50, 75 cents because... It's like, oh, why bother? Like, all I'm getting is 50 cents. If the if you could sell their land back to the store for $3, that's something real. But now they're not. And it's like, oh, 50 cents, I might as well keep it. So maybe the average player, even though the cards cost less, the average player ends up having more money in the set because there's so many more cards that they keep. Of then, course, that also might mean that they're more willing to buy your singles. Yep. But at the like, same oh, time, well, now instead of the lands being eight bucks or three, I'll buy a set because I've been keeping an eye on them and I kind of want to play this deck, which then means you have to raise your buy prices to fill your case because all these guys are buying it. So maybe this just really closes the margins between buy and sell more dramatically. At the same time, this makes drafting way less valuable. Yeah, the drafters are the people it, who got hit. It the makes hardest. it more variance oriented. It doesn't technically make it less valuable. 
Well, you're, on you're, average, you're, you're, the value you will open is less per player. Even, even if that's not accurate, even if you say, okay, the value with, with, if they didn't put inventions in and if they did remains the same uh, on average, it still doesn't change the fact that for the average player, you know, nine out of 10 people will go their entire Kaladesh drops and experience without ever having opened a Cal, uh, invention and basically run below value, even if they won six out of those eight drafts, whereas the one guy who opened invention and got to keep it essentially wins, so... It makes it seem a lot more like Modern Masters, kind of, where the highs and the lows are so vastly different in terms of what you can open in a booster pack that it makes it hard to really want to... to, to really be able to get your money back. Like, the average... The, the average, if you open a certain amount, will be this, but never... Like, people don't get to open the large enough sample size that they might break even at that point. Like if you open a bunch of 50 cent rares and then one $20 rare and then one $200 rare, like it makes it, it makes it feel like you're going to open a lot more like garbage and a lot less reasonable things. Yep. Um, moving on to something that viewers thought that we didn't touch on um, enough last week. Uh, keep in mind, we do read all your comments on SoundCloud, on Twitter, on YouTube, etc. Um, someone wanted to get into more of the Grand Prix stuff going on, specifically at the next two months of Grand Prix, because historically every year, as you guys know, card prices drop on average. In fact, December will probably be the best time, as Jim pointed out earlier today, in order to pick up cards that are at their lowest of lows. Um, essentially, it's been three weeks now, as soon as Atlanta happens, where vendors have not been able to get a steady source of cards at a Grand Prix. You have all these vendors who normally are spending tons of money each week in order to get inventory and move their high-end stuff in person at these Grand Prix, and they haven't bought cards for a couple of weeks. So do you guys think that their buy prices at these upcoming Grand Prix will be influenced by the fact that they haven't been able to get cards for a couple of weeks, or do you think that they're going to be paying lower because card prices have started to decrease as we head into the winter? And this is something that I'm sure Jim would be happy to answer because he's also planning on going to a couple Grand Prix coming up. Uh, I don't know. I haven't been to a GP since New York. So I don't, I don't really pay a whole ton of attention to GP stuff when I'm not actually there. Like, I, I try to retweet stuff and, like, post a whole bunch of stuff when I actually go to GPs, but I'm not, I haven't been in one since, like, May, and I don't plan on going until, like, you next. You should just go to Atlanta. Next New Jersey. You should just go to Atlanta. Why wouldn't you do that? Because it's like a 15-hour drive. So fly. It's like a two-hour flight. No. I actually have work. That's on the weekend? Yeah. I'm on call. Okay. Um, I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, like I'm not going there to sell cards, so I don't know. I'd probably go there to buy cards, if anything. I'd look to see what masterpieces are going for there and see if anyone's selling close to or under TCG player because occasionally there are vendors that do that. Shout out um, to Card Advantage. They will probably be selling for under TCG low because I know Thomas hates that stuff. Yeah, I'm sure. I sent him a list of the things that I want, so he'll probably just let me know if he opens them. Um, I don't know. I'm not really like sure what's going to happen. Because it's going to be weird. It's going to be the first Grand Prix after Kaladesh is open, and there's only one Star City open before that. So, like, people don't have a ton of idea what they're going to play in Standard yet. 
some of the Kaladish buy list prices could be very high, but other than that, like I'm not really sure what else people want to buy. Like I'm I'm sure there'll be players trying to unload their modern staples if they don't want to play anymore for the rest of the year because uh, once Kaladish comes out, there are no more modern PPTQs. They're just uh, Kaladish sealed or standard again. So I'm really not sure what people are going to do, and I don't know what the vendors want to do. I don't even know what vendors are going. I haven't looked that up either. Like, I know Star City and Cool Stuff will probably be there and Channel Fireball and like, the usual vendors, but I don't know actually how many there are. It's uh, Tales of Adventures and Kurwan are going to be there and Wizard's Tower as well. So some good vendors that I've enjoyed interacting with recently. Also Haruya. So some good vendors coming up in Atlanta. We should get Ryan on the cast and ask him this question. He probably didn't have a better idea. If Ryan, if Ryan doesn't have time for Brainstorm Brewery, he doesn't have time for this. I think Jeremy should be the person really giving us some information, given that yeah. you have the most experience in this realm. I mean, I'm so at GP Indy, all the MTG, which is a dude that has a massive amount of power, sold all of his stuff to Dan Bach for above like TCG prices. Like the guy sat down, his name's Jamie, by the way, he's a really good guy. He like sat down, sold a beta Lotus to Bach, sold an unlimited Lotus to Bach, sold a bunch of mocks to the to Bach. Like I'm going with all of these, and then I'm just gonna like turn these into soarings. That is my plan. I have so much inventory, and this goes for a lot of vendors as well that I've just not been able to move either locally or online through any sort of mean. And the only two ways for me to move it is to go to a Grand Prix and either sell it or trade it or to have a, a tournament for it. And I, I can't host too many tournaments locally or my players will become sort of saturated with that as in I can only run basically one Mox tournament a month or one Lotus tournament a month because players simply don't have enough money or don't want to compete twice a month. So in order to maximize the amount of people showing up to my shop, I do one a month. So I'm taking a bunch of power and other duels and stuff to Atlanta, and I just want to get rid of it all. I was waiting for the pun that whole time you were talking about the tournaments, and it never came. No, there, there's no pun there. It's I want to get rid of all this stuff that I've invested a substantial amount of money into. And that's it. But yeah, I'm sure after Atlanta, Jim and I will have stuff to say about the vendors. Even though Jim is an actual Magic player, that doesn't mean between rounds he looks at the buy boards and whatnot. So, I mean, yeah. I have two round buy. I'm going to be there early and I'm going to pick up my sealed pool. I'm going to hate it and I'm going to go look at the buy boards because it's. Oh, wait, it's sealed? Yeah. Okay. See, this is what happens when you go to Grand Prix and you never know what format it is. Yeah, it's a sealed Grand Prix. Um, I'm probably going to get there on Friday if you want to draft some conspiracy. So, I am getting in at 2 a.m. Atlanta time on Friday because school is more important than magic, and then I have to drive to St. Louis and then fly to Atlanta. So, yeah, I will not be there on Friday. So you're getting 2 a.m. on Saturday, not Friday. Sure, but I'm I'm probably only going to be there on Saturday. I know I've got a business meeting with someone who wants to talk about power, and then I'm meeting up with a bunch of content creators for lunch. Um, now, one of our listeners, De- Declan, I, Doug, do you know his real name? Is, is Am I pronouncing that right? That's his real name. Yeah, Declan. Uh, he's doing a quiet speculation meetup for all the MTG finance people, so you guys should reach out to him on Twitter. It's uh, Declan Tillman. Um, he's trying to meet up with a bunch of finance guys. But, uh, he's, he's a cool guy. 
Yeah, if you see Jim or I going around, you can, like, I know Jim likes it when people rub his beard for good luck or something, so highly recommend that. Please don't come up to me and touch my beard. Yeah, same with my head, because there's nothing left for hair-wise. So we're going, we're going with the BBD cosplay when I get to Atlanta. So, Jeremy, speaking of power, uh, I'm going to segue a little bit. I have uh, an LGS near me who has, like, two or three pieces of power. They've been sitting in their case for, like, God knows how long. They're pretty beat up, like, HP-ish, maybe MP. Okay. Um, one's an emerald. It's, like, HP emerald. He has it at, like, 775. What should I offer him to, like, what? 400. 400? Okay. That, that then, is the max I would offer on a beat emerald, and I would try to flip it for 550 or 500. Okay. And then, uh, like, uh, HP Time Twister. Um, man, I don't even remember Time Twister's price. Three or 400? I'd have to look that one up, but 400 on any beat mocks that's not blue is generally what I offer, and I tend to get a lot of them because you'll see them sitting at Grand Prix cases for 550 to 600. And worst what? case, Hyria will pay you your 400 back. What about so a beat time walk? Um, like heavily played? Yeah. 500 probably. You can probably flip that for 700. Okay. Um, that's just going off the top of my head. My power prices aren't perfect because I basically just got GG's list from quite speculation that I'm going to go to the GP with since all the power that I have right now is near men because I was lucky enough to pick it up from a collector. Yeah, so. these have just been sitting in his case for like God. I think they've been in there since he opened the store, and I'm wondering if I should just like go in there and offer those numbers just to get him out of his case, so he can like re respend that money on like call out of singles. Yeah, and he'll probably hem and haw, but like even if he says no, you've planted that seed so that down the road he might want to get rid of it in the future. It it never really hurts to offer, even if he says no or scoffs about it. How charitable of you, Doug. Oh, I thought I'd do this guy a favor and give him half of what he's got it in the case for. <laughs> well, I mean, it's obviously not selling at that price, so why not get your money back? Yeah, no, no, no. It's it's a fine business transaction. It's just the way Doug describes it. I'll do him a favor. Yeah, because like, say the shop owner doesn't do well in Kaladesh, like I'm sure I won't after the initial run, and he's like, oh, I need some capital for whatever the next bullshit set Wizards comes out with. And he's like, where am I going to get that capital? And he goes, oh, I remember when that 4-4 person walked into my shop and offered me half. I guess I'll go with that. And then, well, bam business transaction complete. Yay. Did you buy any Kaladish singles this weekend from people at the pre-release? Yes, I bought 22 Chandra's, 12 of the blue Gear Hulks, three masterpieces, all three Ether Vials. I didn't even offer them the Corbin which was sort of mean because they sold the same day that I bought them. I bought them in on, we had two ether vials opened on Friday and one opened on Saturday. And then on Sunday, we had a customer who dropped a massive amount of money on both sealed product and singles, bought every masterpiece I had opened and 40 boxes of Kaladesh because she doesn't trust the internet and she thinks that people will send her fake cards. So she decided rather than trusting the internet because she never uses it, uh, oh, wait, no, this is the wrong customer. Hold on. Uh, this is a guy. The guy doesn't trust the internet. And so he bought 40, boot, 40 or 50, but it was like $4,000 was the total of the receipt just so that he could open all of the things. We have another customer who bought masterpieces from me because she doesn't trust the internet, but there's also a guy that doesn't trust the internet and has deep pockets. So he's just like, yeah, hook me up with 40 or 50 booster boxes. You now, should, you keep in mind, 
I make no money off the sale of booster boxes. That is not, I'm not making a single dollar off that. Uh, but it was just interesting to see him getting how, wrong out. How does somebody who has that, that much, much money, money be that yep. insane? Yep. And um, for the, the lady who had Are you ordered, asking that, like, really, when, like, the debates tonight? Yeah. Um, so there's a lady who, uh, this is the first customer I was talking about. She doesn't trust the internet, so she ordered a solemn simulacrum off me, Masterpiece, and I, I charge her TCG low. But then there was another person who was like, I'll pay $100 on a Solemn Simulacrum Masterpiece. And I was like, that's fine. Like, if you want to pay Star City for it, I'm not going to even try to sell it to, like, one of my co-casters for TCG Low. So, Thanks. Yeah. I mean, it's free money. So No, no, no. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, no, no. I'm not actually mad at you. I'm just, just fucking with you. Yeah, we have about three customers who just don't trust the internet and spend all their money in the shop, which is great for the shop, but because they mainly buy booster boxes, I don't make a single cent off of it. But then they sell me all the cars that they open that they don't want, and that's where I make money. So I'm able to basically essentially open product without opening product. Well, if I were you, I would have tried to buy every single Green Gear Hulk, every single Smuggler's Copter, and every single Fleet Wheel Cruiser that was opened last weekend. Oh, here it comes. Everyone was waiting for it. How many minutes into the show we were going to get before Jim started stroking himself over this? So I actually no, I'm sold, just saying, I think those are the best cars in the set. I actually sold all five of my Smuggler's Copter promos for $12 each because um, I am I would rather have $12 in my pocket now than whatever it's going to be at in a month. It's so, probably $12. For the promo? Maybe 20 I don't know. Yeah, I, I'd rather just get rid of the cards now. That seems reasonable. You could just buy them back in a month for half. Especially because you could just offer half, because being a shop, even though we don't buy foils, so... I know, yeah. you sell them to me. Yep. Also, if anyone needs, like, 20 Inspiring Vantage pre-release promos or Spire Bluff Canal promos, hit me up on Twitter. Because I've still got about eight Spire Bluffs and 15 Inspiring Vantages. These are all the promos left that I haven't sold. There's like 55. How much are you charging for the Inspiring Vantages? Uh, 10 bucks each for you. Because there's seven oh, or so eight nice normally. Thing. Right? So 10 bucks each. Also, yes. what? Nothing. Um, shout out to... Oh, God, I just forgot what I was going to say, and this podcast is live. Shit. Let's go to another viewer question. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm trying Shout to remember. To Travis. It's Travis. Oh, I remember what I was going to rant about. For everyone who listens to my podcast, and bo- or our podcast, my bad. and um, Already and taking buy- ownership. <laughs> Scumbag. cards off me. I had 12 people DM me yesterday bitching because I hadn't shipped their Kaladesh cards yet. I can't legally ship your Kaladesh cards until Friday. Why would you yell at me? Like, that makes no sense. They're like, oh, you're a shop. You're able to open all this product early. And then they're like, I want you to ship it out on Saturday. And I'm like, I can't ship it till Friday. They're like, well, this is bullshit. And I'm like, I I don't want to get in trouble with Wizards and get my WPN stuff pulled. So that, you know, if you're buying cards from a shop, why don't don't be a dick? Anyway, on to a viewer question. You want to pull them up, Doug? You want me to start? Oh, you, I, I can't find them. I don't know where you're where you're finding these. Just the uh, 
yeah, I'm, I'm on the Twitter right now, but I can't see. Like, I'm clicking on links, and I don't see any of your questions. So if you have them in front of you, go for it. Well, I was tweeted at by a couple of people. Someone wants to ask Jim what he thinks of the current meta, modern meta game right now, and if um, there's any room for profit, and also how he feels about the blue instant affecting modern. This comes from uh, my blue instant. Does he mean like ceremonious rejection? I don't know what the name of the card is. It's the one that that stops the colorless deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, this comes from Zeke Thompson on Facebook. Um. Honestly, people are going to, like, the modern hype is kind of done for a little bit, so if you want to buy some cards on the cheap at the end of the year, you could probably do that, but I don't really think that there's a ton of money to be made right now until we start seeing any spoilers for Modern Masters 15, or just, like, the only the only way that modern cards move in price is that a deck gets good that wasn't used, what didn't used to be good, like, so you have to wait for new cards to be printed, or old cards get reprinted before any price changes really happen, or there just has to be a lot of modern played for a, really, a pretty small period of time. So, like the last couple of months, because of the PPTQs, people were playing more modern, so people were buying more Bant Eldrazi stuff, which is why Noble Hierarch and Brushland got really expensive. They'll probably level off and get cheaper at the end of the year when nobody's playing Magic, but I don't really think there are a ton of things that'd be like, yeah, go out and go buy this because, you know, it's good in modern or whatever. Like, if you bought some Platinum Empyreans when Madcap Experiment got spoiled, you would have made some money because people went out and bought those afterwards. But it's too late to do that now. Um, you just have to wait for the next set to come out. All right. Next viewer question. This is at Travis. There was a salty person that had talked to me after listening to this cast last week. Um I have a lot of customers who watch this cast and I'm careful not to name names on who exactly they are. Um, someone was really pissed at Travis when he had bought out Suchi and they wanted to know how many of those he had sold and what his profits on them are right now. Uh, I bought maybe 15. I don't think I sold one um, because the price didn't jump high enough for me to really bother to start selling them. Um, reserve list cards, essentially the sky, the ceiling, the, the sky is the limit. So it's like, yeah, I could sell these for 10 bucks after having paid three, I guess. But why rush? Just kind of let it hang out for a while. Old school magic isn't a format that moves fast. But I want to point out, I bought like maybe four play sets. It really wasn't that many. And I thought I was bad at fucking up pronunciations. And then the Travis is like a true Jeremyism. Yeah. I, blanked, I blanked on the, no, no, the sky's the limit. That's the correct expression. I just blanked on yeah. it for a moment. Yep. I didn't know um, this thing went into your shop, though. Say again? So I didn't know Sig visited you at your shop. Yeah. No, we have a lot of customers who listen to this because they think I'm going to be like, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to shit talk this customer. But instead, all I have are stories about how customers aren't good at managing money. So that's... Which, is, uh, which kind of is the same thing. So you're still shit talking customers. No, because I'm not making a single dollar off of it. So I, will, I don't really care. I mean, I'm not making a single dollar off the, the initial purchase anyway until they decide they don't want a bunch of standard cards. So, yeah, like, and this is happening at a shop in the middle of Missouri. I just have to wonder what goes on in, like, New York or L.A. with the real big whales of the game and, like, how whatever their crazy stories are. But, yep, definitely interesting. Uh, in fact, we had to limit how many pre-orders we did for specific customers, and they went to our competitors and bought a ton more. 
Like that's how crazy people were over masterpieces for, like, I think it was three different customers. We limited them to, it was like seven or eight per release box that they could purchase. And then they just went to our competitors and they're like, all right, can I get 20 per release boxes, please? Just like full on masterpiece going crazy. Why, why, like, why don't you just start a bonfire and throw all your money in that instead? At least it'll keep you warm. You know, it's their money. It's what they want to do with it. And we're a, we're a business, I guess. So we'll we'll make the sales. So we had a ton of people sign up for Kaladesh and then they just never showed up. So I had all these pre-release boxes at the end of the week that I just started popping. So I guess we could have sold them more, but it was more fun for me to just pop them all. So I got I got to have fun out of it. So that That's was nice. Fair enough. I like opening booster packs too. I mean, I like opening pro the pre-release packs at distribution rates plus a dollar each because like you basically get your money back off the packs and then you get all the promos. Though for some reason I didn't open that many mythic promos that were good. I opened two Sahilis and one Chandra and like three nieces out of eighty. So it was okay. It wasn't great. Oh. Yeah, well, we don't sell foils, so those are just going to be traded on Puka or something. Oh, wait, we don't use Monopoly money anymore. Shout out to Puka Trade for still shitting the bed. Your biggest user who had just traded for power, he was the first one to trade for power at your site, just said he's no longer using Puka Trade. Wait, Chris uh, Chris yeah. Yep, he tweeted out. He's like, I'm done with this. He's like, I'm not sending another card until I get a trade in because it's been like a month. Wow. So he, yep. That was like one of their biggest power users on the site. Because he, yeah, he had sent out him. like $30,000 worth of cards on that site. And he hasn't gotten a trade in a while. So people are making a big deal about it. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a publicity blow. Yeah, I mean, can Puka Trade sink any lower after every YouTuber and every person trashes them? They're getting trashed on Reddit. They're getting trashed on YouTube. It's all around a bad, bad thing for them. You know, I got one of their emails that had like a user survey by like, wow. why are you not using Puka Trade? And it here. was like there was a there was a question. It was on a scale of one to ten. How do you feel about Puka Trade? And the options were zero to ten. And I was really confused why zero was an option on a scale of one to ten. So I picked zero. <laughs> That's harsh. How do you guys feel about Noble Hierarch? You think this thing's going to hit $100? Do you think its price is going to cool off? The rest of the deck is so cheap. If we get a Cavern of Souls reprint and not a Noble Hierarch reprint, it's going to be insanely expensive. Yeah, that card's really good. Uh, I say if you need them, buy them now. Uh, yeah, don't wait. Were you, Jeremy, weren't you just saying that people should sell them? Noble Hierarchs? Yeah. I mean, for what I talking about that, we're sold out. Like I paid when Hyrule was paying twenty eight dollars back when they were like thirty five dollars and like uh, six months ago. I bought a bunch after matching matching their buy list, and then I was just happy to double up on my money and then not not worry about that. I'm staying away from them for now. One of the cards that I have the most of, I have gotten an alarming amount of Tarmogoyfs in trade lately. And that card continues to drop. I think it's 104 now on TCG Low. Sweet. Yeah, I've been offering 80 in trade on them because the highest BIOS is 70. And um, I have 16 Modern Masters 1 versions, 6 Modern Masters 2 versions, and 2 Future Sight versions now. 
because people are just like going ham on getting rid of Tarmogoyf, whether in anticipation of a reprint or just because it's not good in the meta right now. I'm not sure. That's no, another actually, thing that I bring into Atlanta because I want to get rid of all these Tarmogoyfs. They're actually not bad right now. It's just that Jund is still a billion dollars to build, and there are not a lot of decks outside of Jund that play Tarmogoyf. Yep. All right, you guys ready to get into pick of the week, or is there anything else that you want to talk about? Talk about, talk about something, because I still haven't decided what I want to pick this week. <laughs> All right, let's get into pick of the week. Doug, what are you going with? Uh, are we not doing your intro? It's I will, say, are you not I, seeing? I will gladly take Do the, it for the backlash. Do it for no, the I, will, I will gladly take the backlash for, from the fans for this, because last week my roommate heard me outside doing that, and it was an interesting conversation. So he must know about just, all of this. What? He must know about all of this. Uh, he actually has no clue. about ma- Like, he doesn't know anything about magic? Nope. Because when, when you're keeping, you, you don't let him know. That's yeah, true. but, like, doesn't he notice the boxes and boxes and boxes in your apartment? Yep, but everything's in the electronic lock, including this door, so not getting in. Well, what, do you, what do you tell him to go for, like, tournaments and stuff? Where do you tell him to go? Where you, you go at FNM? I mean, he knows that I run the shop at the mall, uh-huh. but that's it. And, like, I don't want to be the weird roommate singing <laughs> while he's, like, out there. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll just get just, into Pick of the Week. You should sing the Pick of the Week song in the shower. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> Doug, what All are you right. going with this week? All right, so I am a big fan of bulk rares and bulk commons and uncommons, and over the past six months or so, uh, one near bulk rare that I've had my eye on, and I've got a few dozen copies of in my spec box, is Mirror Superion. Uh, new Phyrexia rare. It's a two mana five six. You can only cast it if you use mana produced by creatures. Uh, it jumped a little bit at Battle for Zendikar, like based on Heartless Summoning and like Eldrazi stuff. And I think more people just looked at the card because Heartless Summoning jumped. But it's climbed up to almost two dollars, and it's just a card kind of keep an eye on. There's not a lot of copies out there. If for some reason they're uh, comes out with like a better way to cast this on like turn one or two with really uh, like actual efficiency. We could see like a death shadowy effect where it's suddenly like five or six dollars if it's decent in a deck that can shoot it out on turn one or two. So just keep an eye on Mere Superion. Jim? All right. So everyone remembers Gisela being like 25 30 $40. They're like, oh, it's an XB Slayer Angel. Oh, it's so good. Currently, it is five seventy-five on TCG Hello. Uh, if it goes to four dollars, I just grab some. It's in standard for like another year or something. Yeah, I think it's about another year. Um, once Reflector Mage is gone, it gets really good. It if uh, Smuggler's Copter is really good, this is a thing that blocks it pretty profitably, considering like the rest of the flying creatures just kind of suck. Like, all the spirits are too small to block a 3-3, which is kind of awkward. Um, and then if we get, like, a red deck that's pretty good, it's also pretty reasonable because it has lifelink. So, I don't know. It, it could be good. It might not always be the best, but it's a meld card, which is pretty reason. Like, it's pretty weird. It's a meld mythic, so it's hard to reprint, and there's not a whole ton of them. So, I think you're you're hard-pressed to go wrong if, if it goes down, like, another dollar or so before you pick them up. At the very least, you've got Angel Collector demand, right? 
like that's out there. That's a thing. Sure. But um, I'm going to go with Mind's Dilation, which is the blue seven mana enchantment from Eldritch Moon that is currently uh, about 80 cents, 80 cents to a dollar. This isn't going to be a sexy card um, in terms of how much you're going to make on it, but it's just going to sit there uh, quietly picking up EDH decks and uh, eventually it's going to be three, four, five, six bucks. And you're going, oh yeah, that was that cool enchantment that gave me Cascade for my opponent's spells. Um, it's just it's just a really straightforward, slow burner. And this is the type of stuff that's easy to pick up and easy to profit on down the road. I agree. I need to get a foil one. I forgot about that. And I'm going to go with uh, something. So if you ever open a shop, or I don't know how Doug does this because like... He does really well as far as like the sales at his local place, but I have employees text me whenever we run out of a card in standard, and they ju- we just ran out of a bunch, so I just got a text while we were casting about this. One of the cards that he texted me about that I just was like, wow, I should probably buy more of these, Nahiri's Wrath. The card's like a dollar right now, and with red getting better, it doesn't hurt to like speculate on. Apparently, we also just sold out a Gold Knight Castigators, but I'm not as happy about that card. I think it's way more of a Timmy card. What is uh, Gold Knight Castigator? That's the, what? That's what is the a Gold Knight Haste Flying? I think it's oh, the, the Red Angel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you're talking about. But Nahiri's Wrath is a card that's pretty powerful if like the meta changes, and I don't think that's a bad card to pick up right now. Um, it could be. It's just it's always card disadvantage, which is annoying. Yep. I don't is know. It? I mean, like, if you discard like a five drop, don't you? And you, you can't you just like kill their three three and kill their two two, and it's you break even. That's not how that card works, isn't it? What is it? No, what does it do? you discard X cards and you X damage, which is the total of all the cards discarded to X targets. Oh, right. okay, okay. But so in a format more... with Emrakul, you never know. That's just something to keep an eye out for. Yeah, I think that. I'm of the opinion that the card disadvantage on Nihiri's Wrath can be played around, and one Madness spell makes it playable, right? Like, it negates that. Sure, yeah. We just have to find a shell for that. Sure, yep. sure. I mean, it's not if a home t- run. If it was, we'd already see it, but it's definitely a useful spell. Yep. If we're talking more of, like, a spec that's more mainstream, I guess, because this is just going off local demand... Last week, I picked Clever Impersonator. This week, I'm going to go ahead and go with... I like Birds of Paradise and Burgeoning. I'm not a fan of Inquisition of Kozlock anymore at its price point because it went back up, but I don't think Burgeoning's that bad of an idea. That card surprised me. What do you mean? Inquisition. Yeah. Well, it was down at $3 on TCG, and I was either out of town or busy. Then it went like right back up to 6 by the end of the weekend. I remember you complaining about that. Yeah, I mean, you, you. I don't have a perfect track record, that's for sure. So, like um, you were annoyed that you couldn't buy them. Yep. Yeah, at three dollars, I would have definitely bought a lot. I feel like Bouchard got a couple because I remember him saying something about Inquisition, though that might have been for Haruya instead of him personally, because he's pretty good when it comes to card prices. Um, Mogus is like a seven dollar card now, I think TCG mid, which is I think not it's exp- still only like four or five. Wait, really? Yeah, right. I sold a couple recently at four or five. Then we have ours overpriced. Give me a second. Because <laughs> we sold out at seven. Yeah, they're five bucks. Well, 
if I had any left at five dollars, if I had any left, I'd reprice them to five. But we're sold out at seven. Um, I'm not a fan of Thassa or Nisa lately. Perforos is a nine dollar card now, though. So do you mean Thassa or Nylia? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But- Perforos could probably be twenty dollars, honestly. Like that card. I, like per- I have. I don't know if I've lost an EDH game where I cast that card. Straight you up, just- bought a foil one. You want to know how much the foil ones are? Seventeen dollars. Seventeen dollars okay. TCG low. Really? It's almost yeah. It's almost double the price of a normal one. Yeah, man. Yeah. Foil gods are the shit. This is why I'm really worried that they're gonna be masterpieces in Amhon cut. Yeah, yeah. So like, someone Perfors, came in with Perforos specifically is also good in modern too. It played, it's played in the Soul Sisters deck, but like the Nor the, the the Wary deck. Someone traded me this, and I was like, I'll give you 20 in trade, because I thought it was 30, and they are like, I, isn't it only 20 mid? And I looked it up, and I'm like, I'll give you 13 in trade, and they are like, alright, that's perfect. And I was <laughs> like, sweet, this card is should not be this cheap. Time to sell it on TCG for like 15 bucks or something. Get that sweet money. Yep, yep. Yep. So, that's... Anyone else want to talk about anything? You guys want to go ahead and end this catch, cast so we can watch the, the debate? Uh, I have uh, one more card that might be a little underpriced for some players that I forgot to mention because I forgot it existed. Um, the three mana four four energy guy from uh, Kaladesh, Lathnu Hellion, is the ball really, lightning. It's not a ball lightning. It's like better than a ball lightning because it's four toughness, so it doesn't die. Right, but like, you, you always get to attack with it twice, so it's usually card advantage because. Most of the creatures that people were playing on turns two and turns three don't block it profitably. Right. Um, if you could get those at like a dollar, if you play, if you were like the kind of player that likes to play mono red or very aggressive red decks, you're not going to be disappointed buying those for a dollar. I like it. All right. If Jim picked a card, a second card, then I'm going to pick a second card. Um, the ban restricted list came out today, and there were no changes to it. But one card that I just keep quietly setting aside every time I pick them out of bulk or every time I get them in a collection is uh, Mind Twist. It's currently banned in Legacy, and maybe I am insane, but I don't. I think that there's a small possibility that Wizards tries something out eventually and unbans it just because it's been on there so long. And like Ad Nauseam is comparable in a way where you cast it for like five on turn two and end the game. Um, if Mind Twist comes off the ban list, it's suddenly $10, and you make a whole ton of money because you can get them right now for, like, $0.75 cents to a dollar. Uh, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe the card's ridiculously overpowered and it should stay banned forever, but if it's not, hey, you make a whole bunch of money for basically nothing. I had this similar thought for a while, but everyone made a point of telling me that, no, that card is as bad as it seems. I, don't I know. think survival comes off before mine to us just because of mm. how much grave heat with, with containment priest getting printed recently. I broke the case a big thing right now. I don't think survival would be that bad to unban. What about Earthcraft? Earthcraft is the other one that I'm like, eh, yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah. Th- those both. Likely, but. I have no problem with Earthcraft or survival coming off. I have a problem with mine twist coming off. And uh, Earthcraft is a uh, reserve list too. What? Yep. Uh, it's, it's like, like 20 10. bucks. Like, 10 years ago, I played Vintage because I was retarded and my, my friends played Vintage or whatever. You you don't know why Mind Twist is banned until you've played Swamp, Dark Ritual, Dark Ritual, and Mind Twist is your opponent's hand, and they can't do anything. Right, but, like, doesn't just ad nauseum kill them in the same way? Like, nowadays? Not always. No. You generally cantrip on turn one and then on turn two, and then you kill them on turn three. 
you can have the nut hand on turn one or turn two, but you want to like set up a preordain or a ponder before you go off. Okay. And I play Ant and Legacy. That's what I played at the last open. Wait, wasn't Doug talking about Mind's Desire, or did he say Mind no, Twist? No, I was talking about Mind Twist. Like Mind's the, Desire is banned uh, in Legacy. Yeah, yeah, I thought he was saying that was going to come off. They're never getting that card off their list. That card is way too powerful. No, I was talking about the X discard spell, Mind Twist. Yeah, yep. Yep, yep. I just misheard you. All right, Doug, where can we find you? You can find me on Quiet Speculation. My articles come out every Thursday on the Insider Paywall, behind the Insider Paywall. You can find me on Twitter, Rose of Thorns. Uh, Facebook at Douglas Johnson, uh, League of Legends, all that stuff. I don't know. QS forums. Uh, yeah, that's it. My name is Jim Casal. You can find my articles every Wednesday on Modern Nexus. You can find my other articles every other Monday on Gathering Magic. Or you can find me on Twitter at PHROST underscore. And I'm Travis Allen. I'm on Twitter at WizardBumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. And I do the, I write on MTG Price every Wednesday, and I also do the podcast, MTG Fast Finance. I'm Zem at Sells Magic. Shout out to Cardboard Gold for hooking me up with 10,000 top loaders this week for Kaladesh pre-orders at like three cents a top loader. You can find me in the great state of Missouri at Valhalla's Games. You can find Jim and I at GP Atlanta in two weeks if you guys want to talk finance. They'll all probably be sitting with the cool stuff guys for like five hours by listing, so I'll probably yeah. be there. That's what you'll find me too. I'm if, just somebody gonna who's not gonna, if somebody who's not going to be there, make sure that you rub both of them vigorously and frequently. Going to need a stepping stool for me, and you might have to like bend down really far for Jim. So. We're almost the same height. <laughs> full of shit. We should get a picture of height differences, because I know there's a viewer coming who's like four foot ten, so it'll be pretty funny. Because okay. he's like, he's like, I want a selfie. And I'm like, I don't really do selfies, but yeah. Well, no, if you do a selfie, you have to make sure you're holding the camera, but you have to hold it up, like, make it so that you look as tall as possible compared to him. Yeah, like, put on, like, six-inch, like, business shoes or something with the, the platform built in, if you know what, what I'm talking about. Six-inch business shoes? You mean you stilettos? So they, they, they make those? <laughs> Wait, what? We're, I didn't know you were going to dress and drag, Jeremy. Oh, yeah, definitely. No. A six-inch um, business shoe. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that's getting popular on our campus is, like, for six the... Give me the business shoe. For the, uh, for the like, the business college, they're building... They have shoes now that are, like, dress shoes, but they have platforms built into them to make you seem taller, to act all businessy, and it's hilarious seeing those guys walk around because you can just see, like, the big chunk of, like, the platform on their shoes. It's so weird looking. It's so obvious too. Like you can always tell when someone's wearing shoes like that. So I'm surprised. Yeah. I mean, I just wish I had shoes that could actually fit me. That would be a great step. Like everything has to come off Zappos. Anyway, thanks for watching Cartel Aristocrats cast number 27. Hang on. Shout out out to the person in the chat who believes me with mind twist. They're saying it's like straight garbage and legacy. So shout out to that guy. Shout out to MTG cast for putting us on. And as always have a good one guys. Young Elder Dragon.